Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Where's your wife? There you are. Yeah, okay. here I am. I'm with you, baby. Wow. Yeah. Only a few more days left in 2020. Yeah. Is that good? I always like fresh starts. <laughs> I like fresh starts too. But, yeah. Every know. Monday is a fresh start. I start a diet every Monday oh. <laughs> and blow up by Monday evening, but I love fresh starts. I think I really am going to try and, I don't know, I hate diets. Diet's a four-letter word, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but I think we're going to work on something. Yes. Yeah? We are. Do something. Because, you know, we really are. We're going to do 10 days, and I'm, I'm encouraging you. The first day of teaching on January 1st is uh, I'm going to do a teaching on fasting, and I hope you can join in with us there. And I would like you to fast something. I like feasting. See, when we say, well, fasting is feasting on Jesus. Yes, true. So it's still feasting, but it's, uh, and, and you know, fast something. I See, when I say fast, what responds is your flesh. That's the thing you're trying to just nail down. So I guess I'd be if, fasting Netflix. If you reacted a little bit there when I said fast. <laughs> I did. You did? Yeah. Well, yeah. that was, that's that's what we're trying to nail down. So, you know, it's all good. Fasting yeah. is good. We'll do a little teaching on that. Get ready for that. But but worship team, good job as always. And as just, always. Just, Thank uh, you, George. Here we are again. Abigail we're in the, the and gray Kennard. zone, the lockdown zone, but everything's good. Everything's we're still good. fully functional, still doing everything, still ready to serve you guys. Bless you in every way. So mm-hmm. Uh, everything's going to be working out real fine. But hey, yeah. we uh, we had a great year. I mean, even uh, God was good to us. We want to read a couple scriptures here to you. Philippians 1, 3 to 8. It says, I thank my God. I thank my God. Wow. <laughs> Upon Every are, remembrance. Are you going to be here all day? No, no. no I it's just, good. No, I, I like it. I love it's that good. whole every remembrance of you. I thank my God. Because you can see Paul, you know, recalling um, the Philippian church. He's probably recalling yeah, specific, specific people. specific people, faces. specific times You know, he's remembering, experiencing things they did together, every you know, ministry times, and every remembrance, when it all came back, he th- I thank God, God upon all my... Re- and so when we thank God for Impact Church... Yeah, every remembrance yeah, upon cause, that cause I think things, about. Things pop up, yeah. you think about years of ministry and life and stuff, and you're just so grateful for the joy. And look what he says, uh, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. joy. That's a good thing, eh? Yeah. Remembering people and you're happy. Yeah. So for your and fellowship... And they make you feel happy. They make you feel happy, yeah. Look what he's happy about. Your fellowship, your intimacy, your partnership, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Isn't that great when you yeah. got people who, the first day until now, which yeah. means we started something together and we're still tracking together. Yeah. And I love that. I yeah. love that when you're on a journey and together you're persevering, you're locked together and you're doing things. Mm-hmm. So from the first day until now, being confident, confident of, of this, this very thing. thing. Here's what we're confident of. That, that he, he who began, began he began a good work in you. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Yeah. I'm confident of that. All right. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my That's kind of like heart. a holy boast. It's right for me to it's think right this It's right for way. me. And I'm going to talk about yeah, it. It's and in I'm the going scriptures. to write about it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So the Holy yeah. Ghost inspired me to say you're awesome. Yeah. And I think it's great. And because I, I have you in my head. It's a holy boast. No, I got you in my heart. I got you in my heart. And as much as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. 
for God is my wow. That's that's pretty yeah. awesome what I'm saying. And I'm going to bring up somebody to testify that I'm telling you the absolute truth. Yeah. Are you ready? Bringing somebody up. God is my witness. Yeah. Lord, go bring ahead. Him tell him. Tell him, Father. Tell him. Yeah. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. That's some wow, good that, right there. Just, I love that, that word with the affection of. Jesus I like Christ. the word affection. Yeah. I, I just like and calling saying to affection. remembrance, you know, Paul, yeah. although he wasn't physically with Jesus, he's recalling to remembrance, even with his experiences with Christ, the affection of. I like, I have affection for you, honey. Oh yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy to be entering another new year with you. Hey. Eh? Yeah, me too. So glad I got you a vacuum cleaner for our anniversary. It was good. Yeah. But you know, folks, we uh, so appreciate you guys. You know, we, we are having a better year financially than we ever I, have. I've anticipated <laughs> too. It's. You know, when we thought with uh, the COVID, the lockdown, and what kind of, you start thinking what kind of pressures will happen, what will happen with people's lives, what kind of pressures will we have. But thank God, no matter what pressures or what difficulties, though I walk through the valley yeah, of the, the shadow, shadow of death, death, I'm I walking through it. No I fear no evil. Because yeah. God, you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack no good mm-hmm. thing. So we you thank know, I you, love Father. when uh, it says in uh, Genesis that in a time of famine, Isaiah dug wells. He dug. You know, a, and famine yeah. is drought and everything else. And in a time of famine, it says he sowed seed. Yeah. So like you're going to take the seed out of your barn and you're going to sow yeah, in a that's time. What I was looking yeah, that's for. what you were looking for. <laughs> he did dig some wells too, but in the time of famine, he sowed. And who yeah. sows in a time of famine? Yeah. You want to hang on to your seed and you know until a better day. But and so in a time of COVID, Impact Church sowed at the beginning did. of the year. We yeah. sowed fifteen thousand. The first thing we did right ministries. away, first first week we heard about a shutdown, we sowed fifteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. And, to local uh, ministries in yeah, the local to, community. To local ministries, other ministries. And uh, that was a good start. Yeah. And, well, the best. Well, even before that, we sewed almost ten thousand dollars into Jamaica as in well. In Jamaica, and, yeah. Uh, building roofs and walls. And yeah. So I'm. I'm just. I just always know that God. If you have seed in the soil and you got a mouth, if you can speak that seed and mm-hmm. call it mm-hmm. into manifestation, you are always victorious. And I just uh, thank God for his faithfulness this year yeah. in your lives, in our lives, yeah. and in the life of our fellowship and our ability to be generous on every occasion. I'm I was just so really grateful. thankful that Maddie had that whole list of things that we've been able to do throughout the uh, 2020 COVID situation. And so it kind of does, just like Paul said, yep. upon every remembrance and of every you. Remembrance and so when we you. actually take a moment to recall some of the great things that God has done and how he's broken through, um, it does. It makes you very joyful and very confident and very excited about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Truth. Mm-hmm. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So how do we give? Is this, is this our last? This is the last kind of giving Sunday for the year 2020. And if you want to be received for the 2020 year, you need to do that right away. Yeah, get your gift in. Yeah. So, so get your gift in. Um, you can do th- through PayPal, through e-transfer. And snail mail is just not going to work now. So you could always drop off an envelope in the mail slot if yeah, you really need. Let's but sow a seed for 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's sow a seed for let's fun God in 2021. For this whole thing to be just done. A, it is going to be done. And Amen. you know what? We, after this, I'm telling you, after this, you know, when your plans seem to be breaking down, God's, God's breaking, breaking through. through. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. But I'm telling you, 2021 is going to be such an amazing yeah. season for us as a fellowship. And I'm so glad that we're partnering together from first until the last, that we're going to Amen. stay steadfast on this journey and we're going to see amazing breakthroughs in Jesus' name. So, Pastor Cheryl, pray for us as mm-hmm. we get right now. I uh, just prayed. You want me to pray again? Was that a prayer? I did pray earlier. Really? Well, 
Pray about the yeah, giving. Yeah, Father, we just oh, thank yeah. you that you give seed to the sower. Yes, And Father. that we can find ourselves on mm. every, occasion every occasion with the ability to give and the ability to yes, sow. Lord. And so, Father, I just pray for all of my impact family. Thank yes, you for do. their faithfulness thank for and the thank you for Lord. their confidence in your Jesus. ability to provide for them in a time of distress and trouble. So, Father, I thank you that... Um, that you will continue to bless your people. You I thank you, Father, yes, you that do. we can be a beacon and a shining thank light you, in a time that's very, very gray. And just pray you bless our impact family in Jesus' name. In Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, honey. Yeah, yeah. Bless you. Oh, yeah. Got to let you go now. You could have partnered with me, but it's okay. Hey, look at that. Last days. Last days. How to survive the last days. So we actually are going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how to survive the last days of 2020. No, I mean last days altogether. You know, in the, in the Bible, when it talked about the last days, they said even in the first century church, these are the last days. So we've been in the last days for like 2,000 years. We've been in the parousia. We've been in the, the manifestation of the last days. But I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about uh, how to prepare for, how to survive the last days. So look at this. Uh, this is interesting right here. You can actually go to that website. If you go to that website, you'll see that there's 575 bunkers. And uh, in these bunkers, they are off the grid. They are nowhere to be seen. There's no roads to them or anything. They are right out in the middle of nowhere. And these actually exist. And they're building several little communities like this. They are empty bunkers, but you can buy one of those bunkers. And you can set it up on the inside like that with, you know, all of your... Uh, it's, they come empty, but that's just an example of how you can set up your bunker. And it can look really, really awesome in there. And there is a one-time upfront payment of $35,000 plus an ongoing annual ground rent of $1,000 per bunker. So bunkers are provided in the as-is condition without interior improvements, equipment or furnishings ready for your own personal outfitting. So financing is available for private bunkers. That really is that website there that I gave you right there. You see that website? TerraVivos.com right there. If you go there and you're ready for $35,000, you can secure your bunker and then just $1,000 a year after that that bunker is forever yours and i am getting a five thousand dollar commission per bunker so if you order yours now and, and i'm just kidding i'm not promoting this i'm just saying that these things do exist lots of them and there's lots of places some people very rich people are are building million dollar bunkers amazing things that they're doing setting things up preparing for the end of the world so there's one way you can prepare for the end of the world. Now there's also a Jim Baker show. Jim Baker show had this, had this uh, Christmas variety bucket. I don't know if you can see it as clearly, but this is a bucket. It has 229 meals in it. You get two little cards sent along. 229 meals in the Christmas variety bucket. There's 29,030 calories. But you can get that, and it's only $145, and you can still get that, and you can send it to your friends. Pretty awesome, huh? And so that's how some people... People are preparing and getting those meals. People are preparing for the end of the world. They're preparing for the last days. Now, I do know that uh, Jim Baker's uh, biggest selling book was titled, I Was Wrong, and might be a sequel to that. I'm not sure. But if you're into that, bless you. We're going to talk a little bit about those things today. Just wanted to kind of grab your attention a little bit. All right, let's look at some scriptures. You ready? 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. It says, suffer with me for the sake of the gospel. Paul, talking to Timothy, his son in the Lord, fellow apostle, he says, I I'm in prison now for the gospel. Isn't that a sad thing to be in chains for the good news? The good news put me in chains. It's amazing how many people, even today, don't like good news. And 
yet, you know, Paul said to Timothy, he says, I suffer for the sake of the good news. He said, come on, suffer with me, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Wow. He did this. He did this, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. See, God's plan was to set us apart, to sanctify us, to call us to himself as a holy people. And that was God's plan before the foundation of the world. And God didn't do it because you suddenly manifested you were worthy or you, you were like, man, I got to save them. They're so awesome. No, God did it for his own sake. It's not because you deserved it, but because it was his plan. What's his plan? To show us his grace through Jesus Christ. I mean, I like that. I I like that. That's the purpose of God. You know, you know how you prepare for, you know how you survive the last days, you know how you prepare for the end of the world? Right here, you accept the good news of Jesus Christ, and he's the one who saves us. It's been his plan before the foundation of the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. So it's a good, good thing. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved, saved from destruction, saved from wrath, saved from anything you might be concerned about. I tell you, you come to Almighty God, and by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's not because you did something special to deserve it. It is the gift of God. 2 Peter 4, 7, 11. Are you ready? Look, look, look. You know, these descriptions of, of and they are descriptions. They're not prescriptions. They're not, this is what you got to do if you want to be qualified for the end. God qualifies you, and then he says, here's the description of the life and the unfolding of my life in you. Here's the unfolding of my calling and my rich deposit of grace in you, and this is how it will manifest in the last days. Now, the apostle Peter, here's what he said. The end of the world is coming soon. He wrote that 2,000 years ago. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 10 days of prayer coming up. Come on, 7 o'clock in the morning, starting in the second. I'm going to be there. Come on, join me. Let's start off with some prayer. Let's start off with some feasting, some fasting, some, some just really, really giving ourselves to God and, and separating ourselves to his voice and his heart. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important, most of all, continue to show your deep love for each other. See, we're preparing for the end of the world. What should we be doing? Praying. Should be constant in prayer. You know, and also, you know, you know, God is going to answer your prayers. If he didn't answer your prayers, it'd be like denying his own son. Because Jesus, it's by the Spirit, through Jesus, that we come to the Father with prayer. And he's not going to deny his own son. Jesus is our intercessor. So, you know, we can pray. Prayer changes everything. It really does. Love each other. Throw deep love. Not just a little love, but deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. I mean, if there's a mess out there, if there's brokenness out there, if sin is ruining people's lives, you know what? Love covers a multitude of sin. It's good stuff for cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift. Each of you are gifted. Each of you are, have incredible abilities and strength. Each of you is gifted. And it says, use your gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So use your gifts to serve one another. Do you have a gift to speak? Then speak. Do you have a, a, a speak as though God himself were speaking through you? So you know what? If your gifts are served, come on, let's serve one another. Or if your gifts are, are audible, speaking gifts, use those gifts and speak as an oracle of God and God's going to use you. So these are lots of directions for, you know, how are we supposed to, supposed to, how will we manifest the nature of God coming into the last days? What is the provision of God for us in these last days? All right, 1 Thessalonians 5. 
Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5 in the beginning, you're going to hear a lot of doctrine about the last days. The Thessalonian church in Thessalonica, Paul was there for three weekends. He was there for three weekends and the church exploded. I mean, Paul wrote back and he says, I cannot believe how everybody, I mean, it has resounded out from you, your faith and your hope and your love. I mean, the gospel took deep, deep root in them so quickly. But, you know, the gospel and the coming of Christ and, and the end of the world, those things seem to be paramount in these people's minds. So Paul had to write them and, and send back a letter to them trying to ground them in, in, yeah, I mean, the coming of Christ is imminent, but, but we still got to get on with everyday life. And he had to encourage them on how to approach those things every day. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 to 3 says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come. Listen to that. For you know quite well. You know that he's talking to a group of people that he was really three weekends of services, and these people got so grounded in the revelation that Paul brought, the good news, but he said, you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come. Now listen, what do we know quite well? It's going to come unexpectedly. What do we know quite well? We know that it's going to come unexpectedly. It's going to come unexpectedly. When you don't expect it, the day of the Lord is going to come. It's going to come like a thief in the night. You don't expect a thief every night. It's such a random thing. Suddenly, boom, there's a thief. When people are saying everything is peaceful and everything is secure. So people are saying the world is carrying on. I mean, even Jesus said it'll be like the days of, of Noah. It'll be, people will be carrying on, marrying, carrying on, doing what they'd always done. And then suddenly, boom, it'll happen just like that. So you know what? People will be saying everything's peaceful, everything's secure. Then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. See, when Jesus comes, it's done. When Jesus comes, it's over. All that's left is judgment. And what judgment? The judgment is not for us because the world was judged in Christ Jesus. For us, for those who believe, judgment's already taken place. So I'm not judged. I'm saved. I've been saved and I am saved. I'm saved from judgment. But the judgment is going to be, what did you do with Jesus? So what are you going to do with Jesus? And it's impending doom for those who don't because you're left in your sin. And that's not what Jesus wants. Everything is peaceful, but the disaster will fall upon them. First Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11, it says, for God chose to save us. That's God's choice. God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. That's God's desire. It's his will that none should perish, but all come to eternal life. Not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, whether we're dead or alive, whether you die before his second coming or you're alive at his second coming, it says whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So in encourage each other. He's telling the, the, the Thessalonian church, he's saying, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Hallelujah. So the lifestyle of last day believers. Now there's lots of doctrine in Thessalonians. You can read all about it. One thing I'm absolutely sure of is the second coming of Christ. And I'm also absolutely sure that it's going to be unexpected. But you know, there's a lot of different things. There's, there's, People who believe in premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial, there's pre-trib, mid-trib, pro-trib, no-trib. I believe the trib already took place, so I'm a bit different. And uh, uh, there's all kinds of beliefs on that. There's a lot of doctrine. There's a lot of uh, evaluating of that doctrine. And people have all kinds of opinions about the doctrine. But after sharing the doctrine, Paul comes to, here's the practice. 
after all of that doctrine, here's what's really important. Here's my final words to you is, here's how the Spirit of God is going to equip you to live. And here's how you should encourage each other in the face of these things. And these are not horrible things for us. Encourage each other with these words. So this is a good thing. You know, my mom, she always said that, you know, when she thinks about the end times and she'd studied them a lot, heard lots of opinions, heard it preached on a lot, preached on it a lot herself. But in, in the end, my mom, I said, mom, what do you think about the last days? She said, well, I'm a pan-millennialist. I went, a pan-millennialist? What's that? She says, you know what? It'll all pan out in the end. And I went, Mom, that's kind of weak. We should have a, an opinion, shouldn't we? We should have something we really, really believe in. Well, here's what we really should do is we shouldn't get messed up in arguments and, and bickering about different things. We should focus on this. There is a second return of Jesus Christ. And then you know what? Here's what we should be doing in the face of that. And this is what the Spirit of God will promote at us in the face of that. You ready? It's in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says right here, I mean, here's, here's Paul encouraging the people. Now, in face of this coming of Christ, in, in, uh, in light of the last days, encourage each other with this. And then here's what he says. He says, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. So, you know, Paul says, I want you to be committed to community. And that's really important, first thing. And you know, Jesus was highly relational. And we are to be a highly relational people. Love is the most important thing. And community should be something we're incredibly committed to. So you know what? If, if you think these are the last days, and they very well could be, they're the last days of 2020 for sure, and they're my last days for sure. You know, but if you're committed to that, and you see that, and in light of that, how, what should be manifest in your life? There should be a manifestation of a strong commitment to community. There should be a manifestation that you know where God has planted you. You know where he has put you in the body of Christ, and you know the leaders in that community, and you're committed to those leaders. And, and I'm a leader. I really am. And it says, honor those who are leaders among you. Honor them, show them great respect and wholehearted love. You know, this is something, that, I'm not saying this because I need it, although it's always good. I'm saying this because when you honor your leaders and you honor the people that God has placed, yes, over you in the Lord, when you do that, there's incredible benefits for you. There's incredible blessing, safety, and protection. Like when you honor those God has placed you among, God will bless you. Think of the one commandment with promise. It was honor your your mother and your father. It says it'll go well with you. You're going to prosper. Things will go well with you when you honor. It says in, in Timothy about honoring those who are over us in civil government. It says pray for them and honor them. And it says, and you will have peace and it will go well for you. So that's an incredible promise, right? Peace and things going well happens when we pray for and we honor those that are in authority. So Romans 12, 9 and 10 says, let love be genuine let it be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. There it is again. Love one another with brotherly affection. I love this. This is the ESV version. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Like, I like that because in my strength finders, one of my themes is competition. So I hate to see anybody doing something better than I do, you know? So, but here the scripture says, outdo one another in showing honor. Like when you see somebody show honor, go, oh, I can do better than that. And, and outdo one another 
here. And, 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 you know, honor isn't just something that goes up to leaders. Honor is something that goes all the way around. In fact, the word said, you know, those who don't have a meal, those who don't have a home, bring them into your home. Honor everybody. Honor is 360. Honor is not something I do patronizingly to leaders above me, but honor is a part of my nature. It's a part of what I do, and every person gets treated with honor. First Peter 2.17 from the message, it says, treat everyone you meet with dignity. And in other translations, it says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. I looked up everyone. You know what it means? It means everyone. So, you know, show dignity to every single person. The person at Tim Hortons, when you get the coffee, even if the line was long, it was all kind of slow. You know what? Honor those people. Honor in situations that seem difficult, but show honor, show respect. Not when you think it's worth it. Not when you think somebody did a good job. Not when, well, my leaders aren't that great. Well, you know what? I've had lots of times where my leaders weren't that great, but I knew that I honored them as a principle because I know it goes well when you manifest honor as a principle. Every person deserves dignity. Love your spiritual family, revere God, and respect the government. So there's honor. So number one, I mean, of people who are prepared and ready for the last days, there are people who are absolutely committed to community. Number two, they're committed to service. This is just the Bible. We're just doing a Bible study. It's right in the Word of God, right there. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Warn them! Warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid or fearful or, or concerned. Encourage them and take tender care of those who are weak. You know, you know what's beautiful is, is uh, Kelly's uh, husband, Greg, went out with uh, uh, Stefan on uh, Christmas Day. We made all those sandwiches and gift bags. And, and you know what so impacted Greg? It wasn't that we gave something to the people. He was really impacted by the fact that Stefan knew them all by name. The homeless people that we went out to bless, they weren't just a person that were saying, oh, your life is so rough. Here you go. Here's a little gift for you. They were real people. It was like Stefan was having Christmas Day with the family because he knew their names. He knew their names. And Greg came back and he said, man, that really wrecked me. What wrecked you, Greg? He knew their names. He knew them all personally. You know, Every single person is worthy of dignity. Now listen, brothers and sisters, we urge you to serve. Take tender care of those who are weak. So I always tell people, people come to me, they're struggling, they're depressed, they don't like their life, blah, blah, blah. I give them a couple of lists and I say, here's several places where you can volunteer. And they're like, well, I wasn't looking for a volunteer person or a place pastor. And I don't mean with us. I don't mean at the church. I mean like at Parkwood or, or uh, at the hospital or, or with, uh, you know, some other agency. I, here's places where you can serve, where you can volunteer. But pastor, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm broken. I'm depressed. You know, the best thing, and this is actually proven uh, in studies. They've proven that people who, when you're going through a hard time, when you take the focus off yourself and focus on serving somebody else, it changes your world, changes your whole world. I tell people who are struggling, go help someone who is struggling. And you know what? It won't take long for you to recognize the goodness of God and grace of God. Because when you unplug what's in you, the flow of the river of the life of God will start to impact the people around you. Can I get an amen? Wow, praise God. I got a few people here saying amen. You know how hard this is to preach to a camera? <laughs> this is kind of crazy. But, hey, number three, 
They're committed to grace. What kind of people are they? What, what is, what does the Spirit bring? What is it that God works in us? What is it that he brings into manifestation of those people who are preparing for the last days? What is it? Number three, they're committed to grace. First Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. I have to honestly say, I had a guy uh, cut me off the other day and he swerved into me a few times. Well, it was Christmas Eve. I'm driving to St. Thomas to see our kids at the family meal, you know, and, and this guy was turning in on me, this and that, and I kept trying to get beside him. I, I actually just wanted to say, Merry Christmas. I think that's what I wanted to say, but man, that was annoying. But you know, I realized there, you know, I'm trying to repay evil for evil here. I'm trying to make sure that this guy, you know, doesn't get away with that, Right? They better not get away with that. You know, that's, that's not the heart. That's not the culture. That's, that's not the nature of a person who's committed to grace. When you're committed to grace, you do good. You never pay back evil for evil. Look what it says here. It says, give others what they need, not what they deserve. Giving others what they need, not what they deserve. So serve the source of pain. Serve the area that is causing annoyance in your life. You see, because mercy says, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pay them back for what they deserve. But grace goes beyond that. Grace gives them what they need in that place. Grace, grace fills up their bucket instead of trying to take from it. Grace doesn't just say, I'll give you a pass. Grace says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in alongside your life, and I'm going to meet some needs in your life because you're clearly broken. <laughs> anyway, hey, we're committed to grace. We're committed to living like that, right? We don't quit on people. We don't quit on situations, but we're committed to a life of grace. Number four, we're committed to joy. Ha, 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 joy. We're committed to joy. You, you see people that say, man, it's the last days, man. I tell you, these are hard, difficult times. You know, if they're really lined up with the word of God, joy is going to be an attitude and a manifestation in their lives. going to be joy. Easy verse. If you like memorizing verses, these are some of the easiest ones. First Thessalonians 5.15. Always be joyful. Always, not just joy, but joyful. Always be full, abounding, overflowing with joy. That's an attitude. That's an expression. Uh, the life of somebody who says, I'm getting ready for the end, man, I tell you. Well, you know what? You're full of joy. You're full of joy. Philippians 4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. I'm going to tell you again. Paul wants to emphasize this. Joy is a big deal. And he said, I want you to rejoice. Like if your joy started to fail a little bit, I want you to rejoice. I want you to reinvest joy in your life. Are you feeling that? You got to get that joy, joy, joy. And it's not, it's not just joy. It's not trying to drum something up that isn't there. Because what you have in you, Jesus said when he prayed to his father, Father, give them the full measure of my joy. So you know what? You as a gift have the joy of the Lord. It's a deposit of God in you. So rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Come on, get her done. Joy is something that should be always working in your life. Choose to embrace divine joy, his joy. Loving Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, don't be whining, don't be crying. I know it looks like difficult days ahead of you, but listen, don't whine, don't grieve, don't be sad. That was the sermon that day. Don't be sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not the joy of the Lord gives you strength, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. And last day's people, people prepared for whatever's coming. 
We got the strength of God, the joy of God, the power of God bubbling up and working in our lives. Can I get another amen just for fun? Oh, the soundboard was giving me some amens. Pastor Cheryl, not so much. Oh, she's right typing online. Are you online? Say hi to one of your friends online. Say good to see you, bless you, embrace that joy thing. You ready? Number five. And just if you're, if you're keeping score, there's nine. And we're going to get through them. It's okay. It's all, it's all right here. It's just in the Bible. We're just reading the Bible. You ready? First Thessalonians 5, 17. Never stop praying. Pray all the time. Like, I want to encourage you to, to always... Find a time in your life to push back, to reflect, to push in, to, to wait on God, to just step out of things, to open your heart, let him bless you and renew your mind and let, you know, practice times where you're going to let the mind of God pervade every aspect of your life. Build in times of prayer. But you know, it also says never stop praying. You know, Cheryl and I just pray all the time. We just walking through life, go through this, and we'll stop. Well, let's pray about that. And we'll just pray right there. We'll just walk around. We'll be talking about a situation. Let's pray about that. We pray about that. There's times, boom, there's times I just walk around. I come here to church. I walk around church. I'm just praying in tongues. I just pray. You know, pray without ceasing. Prayer is a big, big deal. And I tell you, prayer, prayer moves you from what you can do to what God can do through you. Prayer moves you from what you can do to what God can do through you. So prayer is a big deal. Prayer is not getting God to focus on you, but it's getting your focus on God. Because God's already focused on you. You're the apple of his eye. That means when you look at his eye, you see a reflection of you. God is focused on you. He really is. He's got a, he's mindful of you. He's got a heart after you. So when I pray, I'm not you know, trying to get, God, would you look at my situation? That's not what I'm doing. When I'm praying, I'm getting my focus on God. So pray, be absolutely committed to prayer. Number six, be committed to thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, sometimes what's happening isn't good, but you know what? Be thankful, not for it, but in it. Sometimes nonsense happens, but you know what? In the big picture, you are ridiculously blessed. In the big picture, all God's promises in your life are yes and amen. In the big picture, it doesn't matter what's going on right now. Better is your destiny because God promised you. It says the light of the righteous shines brighter and brighter as the day approaches. I mean, bang, as the day approaches, you are committed. You literally, you are condemned to brighter and brighter. You're condemned to good stuff. You really are. So whatever's going on right there, that's just a bleep on the journey because God is for you. God is always for you. He's never against you and his plans for you are good to prosper you, give you hope so you can be thankful in every circumstance because that's the will of God for you. You belong to Jesus. Be thankful. Have an attitude of gratitude. Be happy. Cicero, back in uh, about 100, 200 years before Christ, he said, gratitude is not the only the greatest of all virtues. It's the parent of all others. See, if you will foster constantly in your lives an attitude of gratitude that will literally cause all the other virtues to explode in your life because thankfulness is, is like a, a seedbed for every other virtue to be manifest in your life don't let grumbling get into your spirit god never did like grumblers go do a word study on grumblers doesn't go good for grumblers but thankful people are blessed i mean coming in and approaching god's throne room what does it say i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart it's a key to just break through every single day be grateful, be thankful. Number seven, are you ready? Number seven, 
Be committed to revelation. Be committed to revelation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Do not stifle. Do not quench. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Don't, don't try to live out of your own mind and your own thought life. Don't stifle the flow of revelation from the Holy Spirit in your life. And don't scoff at prophecies. I mean, I thank God for prophecies in the Word of God. There's all kinds of... There are three times more prophecies about the second coming of Christ than there are about the incarnation of Christ. And you know what? While the incarnation happened, I tell you, it is absolutely certain that Jesus is coming again. You know, it's certain. And, and you know, keep those promises and those revelations in your heart. Peter said, some people said, ah, it's been a long time. We haven't seen him back then. They said it's a long time. We might say, wow, we're 2,000 years out. Where's this Jesus guy? I tell you, don't scoff at the word of God. He's coming. Jesus is coming. I tell you, and you don't know. It's unexpected. You don't know. It reminds me of those times when my I'd be at home. I don't know if you were kind of like me a little bit, but my parents would go away and I'd have my friends in for a party. And I know my parents said, don't do it. And you know, most of the time though, I knew when they were coming home. So it was okay. I could clean up before they got back to a big cleanup. And, uh, but this one time my parents went to Guelph and they were supposed to be there overnight. They got a hotel room and everything. And my dad went there for a Christmas event. And so I had a bunch of friends in and I thought I'm good because they won't be back till later tomorrow so I can clean up. And I don't know what happened, but midnight my parents walked through the door and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I tell you, it wasn't pretty. I was not prepared for the second coming of my parents. And it was unpleasant, I'll tell you. It was really unpleasant. Actually, my parents just went, Carl, everybody out? I don't want to see any of this mess in the morning. Good night, everyone. And they went to bed, and I had to spend the whole night cleaning up a mess, and it wasn't pretty. But boy, it was a rough morning when my parents came out and said, that was not good. My parents were good folks, though. They, they just said, don't do that again. That was unpleasant. That was dishonoring. I was too old to get grounded. <laughs> But anyways, you know what? Be committed to revelation. There's a revelation. He is coming. And you know what? It's unexpected. And I'm not, I'm not, gee, I better, I better always be ready because I don't know when he's coming. I don't know when he's coming, but you know what? His life in me is always preparing me. And I'm eager and I'm encouraging others with this. Maranatha, Maranatha. That was what the early church said to one another. Maranatha. And Maranatha went, oh, come Jesus. Come Lord. Oh, come Lord. Oh, come Lord. Maranatha. Oh, come Lord. I want him to come. I want to be with Jesus. He's with me now, but I want to be with him physically, tangibly, forever. I am looking forward to that with everything in me. The Spirit is saying, come, and I am saying, come, Lord Jesus. And I'm committed to that revelation. I'm committed to that problem. I don't scoff at that. There's people who say, oh, that Jesus, if he was coming back, he would have come. He's coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. And then there's other prophetic words, all those other things. There's Don't scoff at prophecy. I know sometimes people get it totally wrong, but you know what? We're going to prophesy in part. We know in part, but don't scoff at prophecy because, you know, that's how a vehicle God has chosen and he's used. Uh, I think it's a vehicle we chose if we use that he speaks to us, but it's so beautiful that we're his sheep and we follow him and we hear his voice. So uh, I love Revelation because you get in an airplane, it's stormy. The, the pilot tells you, you know, we're, we're going to take off in a minute, but we're going to go through a storm. Tighten your seatbelt tight because they're going to go bump, 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 and you go bump, 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 but then sure enough, boom, you get through the clouds where did this blue sky come from? Oh my goodness, look at how clear and beautiful and smooth it is up here. You know what, it was there all the time. I always tell people I'm a blue sky guy. 
there might be clouds and other things, but you know what? There is, there absolutely is, above it all, there's a blue sky. And you know the neat thing about the ocean? You could have the worst storm on the ocean, but you go 20, 25 feet down, it's absolutely peaceful. So it don't matter what's happening on the surface. Underneath, I got the peace of God that girds my heart and, and just guards me and surrounds me. And that happens because I'm committed to revelation. Number eight, I'm committed to wisdom. I'm committed to wisdom. Are you ready? First Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Test everything. Did you hear that? Test everything. I mean, you might be upset that I showed the survival bucket and pastor, you weren't very nice to that ministry. Well, you know, in Revelation, it says test ministries, test apostles. So he said, said look, I, I commend you guys because there were people that didn't have it right. And you straightened it out and you kept it straight. You know what? It says test everything. Test everything that is said. Test it all. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. So sometimes you got to spit out the bones. Like if you're eating something and there's bones in there, they'll go, oh, bones, I'm going to ignore that. Oh, I really like this ministry. I chewed a bone. No, I'm going to ignore there's a bone. Sometimes there's bones, even in my ministry. And uh, I mean, we know in part, we see in part. But you know what? You got to be willing to say, well, that was a bone. I'm going to toss that, but I'm going to hang on to what was good. But you know, we got to be committed to wisdom, wisdom, test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Billy Graham said this, knowledge is horizontal. And there's all kinds of knowledge these days. Everybody seems to know this and know that, and I know this and know this. And we fill our heads with knowledge and words and blah. But I love what he said. He said, he said, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. Wisdom is vertical. It comes down from above. And that's what the Word of God says. Peter said, if you lack wisdom, just ask God. And he'll give you wisdom, divine wisdom, without finding fault. So God is like, well, I can't share my mind with Carl. I can't share wisdom with Carl because he's messed up. So you might think, I, I, I don't, I'm not clear enough with God to hear from him. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're a child of God. And he speaks to his kids. My sheep hear my voice. It's innate. It's innate in you to hear. It means it's built in. It's a part of your DNA to hear the voice of God. And he's speaking to you. And you know what? He will give you wisdom. Just ask him. And he'll pour wisdom upon you. And we, in these last days, are a people that are committed to wisdom. We're committed to revelation from God himself. Number nine. This is it. You ready? We're committed to purpose. We're committed to purpose. First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 now. Now. Come on, I'm wrapping this up. Now may the God of peace make you holy. May the God himself, may God himself sanctify you through and through. May he sanctify you holy through and through. It's the word hagios. May he sanctify you. May he set you apart thoroughly. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. Now listen to me. God has set you apart. God has sanctified you. God has separated you for a purpose. God has done that. Everything in you, body, soul, and spirit, he separated you and sanctified you, blameless at his coming, and he's done it so that you're ready, you're prepared, and you're doing, you know, the stuff. And it says God will make this happen. Who's going to make it happen? Who's going to bring into manifestation all these things in your life? Who's going to prepare you to stand up blameless at the coming of Christ? Christ. Who is preparing you in these last days? Who? God will make this 
happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Another translation says he is faithful. He will do it. He will do it. He will do it. So I've been set apart, sanctified for great purpose. When adversity comes, I lean into the fact that God called me. You know, when trials or difficulties come in ministry or in life, we are steadfast in the revelation that God called us. When we came here 30 years ago, we, we just visited. It was actually over 30 years ago, 31 years ago. And Pastor Stanley, who was pastoring here, would invite us. And he, he would take us for tours around town. And he was trying to sell us on London. And we were like shaking our head. Yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. We love Toronto. We had opportunities in the States. There were things that were, you know, looked really good for us. And, but he kept on. He brought us back again. And he drove us around. He goes, you guys could do good stuff here. And, and, but the church was like a, a, just a few senior citizens. God blessed them. But I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, the last time I came on a Sunday night, there was only about 10 people there and three people. I didn't know who went to the church or who didn't. But I preached that night, and I, I was preaching out of the book of Haggai, and suddenly I just went hardcore gospel. And I just preached about the temple that God was building and that, that he wants to qualify you to be a part of that new temple that's coming. And, uh, you know, suddenly I asked for who wants to give their lives to Jesus, and those three people accepted Jesus. And they hadn't seen anybody saved in this church for years. There was dust in the baptismal tank. And Pastor Stanley said, who were those folks? He said, I've never seen them before. But three people gave their lives to Jesus that night. And, you know, when we pulled out of town, we're driving away, my wife turned to me and says, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I... Not necessarily that church or whatever, but uh, I actually feel a call to that city. I feel a call. And you know, there's times in our life when that's been confirmed and it was affirmed several times over and over by other people. But I tell you, when the pressure's on and times get tough, it's when you lean hard into the call of God in your life and you know that I'm here because I'm called. And when you don't understand that you don't know that, if you don't know what you've been sanctified to, what God has set you apart to, you don't know, it's pretty hard. But you know what? The one who called you to whatever it is he's called you to, he's called you to community, he's called you to joy, he's called you to thankfulness, he's called you to faithfulness, he's called you to serve. If you don't understand that, how it's going to happen. It's going to happen through him. The one who called you is faithful. He will do it. God will be faithful to finish what he started concerning me. It's grace from the beginning to the end. It's grace from the beginning to the end. One more verse. This is it. I'm going to wrap up. You ready? I love this verse. It's a great verse. Jeremiah twelve five. If you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against the four horses of the apocalypse? Sorry, I got, I got carried away there. I mean, if they're being released and they're running through the earth, and wow, I mean, I mean, if you're worn out in the foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? If you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles really break loose? What's going to happen when, when it's kind of like, you know, it's different when the Jordan goes into flood stage. I mean, the Jordan is just a stream, but now when it goes into flood stage, that's a whole different manifestation. So you know what? This is an encouragement. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I got strong opinions on how the last days and how the purposes of God will unfold. And those opinions, they're wonderful. And that's all good. But you know what? More than that, what Paul finishes with, what Paul Peter's with, what Peter finishes with, he doesn't finish with the doctrine or trying to explain all that to you. He says, here's what the Holy Spirit is going to work in you. Here's the nature of God outworked in your life. As you're living in those days, here's what your life looks like. And that's what we should look like as we're preparing for the coming of the Lord. Because he's coming. He really is. And you know what? You already know this. Nobody knows when. It's going to be unexpected. But you know, he is going to come. 
and the Holy Spirit's going to produce this lifestyle in you. And it's the goodness of God and it's the grace of God from beginning to end. Let me pray for you. Are you ready? Listen. The most important thing is, is that before the foundation of the world, before time began, God predestined you to salvation. He predestined you to be his child. And he sent his son, he dealt with sin, the incarnation, he united himself with humanity, and he's done everything necessary to make you a child of God. Everything is finished. It's time to feast on his goodness and on his grace. And if you've never embraced that, you've never embraced that he's forgiven you, that he loves you, and that he's brought you in, and that, that you're destined to be a child of God, if you've never embraced that and said yes to the good news of Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. Just right there where you are, even if you're sitting in your own living room, I'll ask you to do one thing. You ready? Just put up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm in with that. Maybe you're watching this a day from now or later on, but I tell you, you know what? Jesus loves you. He's for you. He's done everything necessary to reconcile you to your heavenly Father. All you have to do is say, I accept you. So let's pray that right now. You ready? Father, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in my heart and revealing Jesus to me. I just want to say right now that I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I receive you into my life. I want you to flood me and fill me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus in me. I declare that I am forgiven. I declare that I'm free. I declare that I'm healed. And I declare that I am indeed a child of God. So thank you for blessing me, loving me, saving me. And I just commit myself to your Lordship right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, folks, love you. I bless you. I'm going to let you go, and we're going to send you to the after service. Hey, would you do something for me, please? There's going to be a lobby. You can go to the live lobby. If you don't know how, you can go to our website, and there's a, a circle there that says the all access pass. You can go right in there. You can go right to our lobby and be really good to say hi to folks. Some people might be frustrated this lockdown thing again and they'd really love to see your face. And you might say, oh, well, somebody else will go. Other people go. You need to go. You need to go because we're committed to loving one another. We're committed to community. We're committed to encouraging each other. And even at a time like this, it's great that we have technology where we can put our faces in front of each other and we can bless and we can encourage each other. So don't be selfish. Come on, come on, get out there and bless somebody. We love you. Coming into the new year now, 2021, things are going to accelerate. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the, the power of God in my life in a big, big way. And I tell you, 2021, God's going to just uncork some incredible things. And we're going to see real good stuff in 2021. So, so bless you. We love you. I uh, just encourage you to connect with us in prayer. And don't forget to do that. If you need a link, go to the website. We'll find a link for your email to say you need a link for prayer. Join us every day, 10 days. Join us as we pray going into the new year. And it's going to be a really, really good time. So I hope you had a wonderful and a Merry Christmas. We love you. In this time in between, love each other, bless each other, call your family, call your mom and dad, and it'll just be a real blessing to everybody, all right? All right, I'm going to let you go. In Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless this year. The righteous shine brighter and brighter as the day approaches. So right now, prepare for next year. It's going to get gooder and gooder and better and better. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.